Hi, everyone. My name is Alex Bridges, ABDL author, and I have Miss Jen Davis on the line. And we're going to talk about her uh, stories and videos and audio content and her plans for the future. So before we jump in, uh, Miss Jen Davis, where can people find your work? Wonderful. Well, it's great talking to you, Alex. I'm definitely glad we're getting to do this interview. Um, but yes, I have got a blog, website, Twitter, all that, and Patreon as well. So I've got uh, two websites that I run. The one that's been going on for probably about six or seven years is MissJenDavis.com. And that's M-I-S-S-J-E-N-N-D-A-V-I-S.com. I also have a second website, which is abdlmummy.com. So ABDL and then mummy with a U. So abdlmummy.com. Um, and then my Patreon is missjen, uh, patreon.com forward slash missjen. And my Twitter is at jenotk. Thank you for that. And for our listeners out there, especially those who have, uh, are listening on my channels, you know that I've done a couple of these interviews with authors and with uh, visual artists. This is my first time doing one of these interviews with a video artist and with a professional dom and disciplinarian. So this will be uh, different and fun. And I want to say thank you to uh, Ms. Jen again for agreeing to do this and for the terrific collaborations that we've done so far in turning some of my short stories into audio short stories. Yes, and I've been loving your stories. They are so good. Um, some of them are just so completely cute. Some of them are wicked. Some of them are sweet. I just love them. So it's it's really fun when you uh, truly enjoy the story and you're narrating it and you're really getting into it. So it's great. Well, thank you for that. Uh, and I think one of the things that makes it better uh, in any collaboration is when both parties are into what we're, what we're doing. So I'm certainly uh, an ABDL and spanking fetishist. And I'm wondering if you want to tell the audience a little bit more about your own fetishes and your, your background in kink. Absolutely. Um, so I'd say my, my top fetishes are ABDL, spanking and feminization. Um, I also do other fetishes too, uh, tickling, CBT, femdom, um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch I'm not even thinking of right now. Um, but yes, definitely ABDL and spanking are like in the, in the very top. Those are my top two. So I'm, I'm curious because, um, and I'm not saying this from any personal experience, mind you, strictly desk research, uh, but there are a lot of professionals out there like yourself who will do a lot of uh, traditional, to the extent that any of this is traditional, dominatrix work, uh, and then you'll find a lot of them, they just, they just don't do ABDL, um, but you do. And is that because it's a, a personal interest or is it something that you discovered after you had started out as a professional? It's something I discovered later. I kind of fell into the mom or caregiver role um, kind of from the very beginning. And I just really love that kind of loving connection and, um, you know, it's definitely uh, uh, just something that's very close to my heart and something I really enjoy doing, and especially with people that are really into it. Um, for example, oops, sorry, I got something stuck in my throat. But uh, for example, 
you know, a lot of times people ask me, well, what is my favorite role play? And I say, well, it's different depending on the person because what you're into is not going to be the same, same thing that somebody else is into. And so I gave an example of I had just recent when I in the very beginning, I had done this great role play with someone. And it was where I was, um, I was their mom, and they were my son, and they had like, run into the street, maybe chasing a ball or something like that. Um, you know, an adult, adult son type scenario. But, um, and so I was scolding them, and then spanking them. Um, and it was coming from a place of love, as in, I don't want something to happen to you. I care about you. Um, and so I really love that particular scene because it wasn't just like, I'm this mean mom or mean stepmom. It was, you know, you're getting spanked, but it's because I care about your best interest and your best interest is not to not get hit by a car. And so I really love that role play. Um, getting back to what I was saying about how this doesn't always work with everybody is that, you know, this person was, this was when I was still new and this, this other person was like, okay, well, I'm not really... I don't really see myself as, you know, an adult son or anything, but okay, I'm willing to kind of try this. And it just didn't work with them because that wasn't their, that wasn't our chemistry and that person wasn't really into that role themselves. So, um, so I've definitely found that when I'm connecting with people who are in the, you know, in what they, what they love to do and they're in the role that they want to be in and they feel they fit in, uh, that's when the, the real chemistry happens. Yeah, I think that's that's very very true, and I love that scenario. Um, and there is just that that breadth of you almost want to say like a subgenre within discipline or spanking or ABDL or age play, uh, where there is just that that huge breadth of anything from the type of uh, caregiver character that you were describing to someone who's just just mean and evil. Um, and mm -hmm. what I find interesting is that um, there's a lot more people on the mean evil end of the scale. <laughs> there is. There is. But the thing um, is no, that, that, that most of them that role really is fun to play it. too. <laughs> <laughs> that role is definitely fun to play too. <laughs> definitely. Um, and you, I mean, you just see that variety, and particularly with you know different sites out there. There's this, there are people who take that and they just go so overboard with it that it's almost like watching a parody of BDSM pornography. Um, and you know, <laughs> yes. like, that's not what they set out to do, but that's what they're doing. Um, right. And I don't think you see that as often on the other side of it, on more the, the caring caregiver ABDL side. Uh, and maybe that's because people are self-selecting into it more where, um, they just, they wouldn't be doing it if it weren't at least somewhat interesting to them. Right. Um, so I guess tell us a little bit more about, I mean, what you're, what you're describing is an age play spanking scene, but that's obviously not quite the same as ABDL. Um, what was your kind of first reaction the first time a client or someone else brought to you the idea of ABDL and diapers? Um, well, I, I was curious. Um, I already knew that I enjoyed the kind of caregiver role. So I knew that part was already there. Um, and then I said, okay, sure, you know, 
come over and, you know, bring, I don't have any stuff, but, you know, bring all your stuff. And so they came over, they showed me, oh, the cute, adorable diapers, you know, the, the pastel colors and the little teddy bears on them and just different little things on them. So cute. And then, you know, just all the different, you know, things they had onesies and, and uh, pacifiers and, you know, baby bottles, just different things that, that they brought with them. And even, a, you know, the cute little diaper bag, all of it. And so we just had a lot of fun. So it was fun kind of exploring all the different, um, all the different things, the toys, I guess you want to call it, that go with it. So it's, it's been good. It's been um, definitely entertaining. I love, I also love the smell of baby powder. <laughs> so <laughs> I dump a lot of baby powder on my adult babies when I am diapering them and doing diaper changes and stuff. We, we just get tons of baby powder everywhere. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because there are so many ABDLs out there who are just beside themselves with uh, J and J's decision to stop uh, selling their original baby powder in the U.S. Um, oh, really? I didn't even know about that. Well, I don't think. Oh, they're wow! Really, they're not being very vocal about it because it's because Bo of the. I the, would the, assume the, they're not the talc lawsuits that they've been facing. But the ABDL community is very upset. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure. Everything yeah. from, from tearful, you know cries to their mommy to uh, writing their congressman about tort reform. So, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so uh, stockpile it, I guess, while you can. Um, right. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about that first interaction. So I mean, you, you had a lot of fun. Was it, was it different or the same from those first interactions that were more about um, the standard age play? I mean, what was, I guess, uh, sort of a, that evolution of in the ways that this was different, but also the ways that it was similar? Um, gosh, well, I guess the ways that it was similar was that the person loved spanking. Um, so that part was still kind of the same although it's a little bit different um, when you have a diaper involved and in trying to figure out the different aspects of the spanking you know because you do want to get some spanks over the diaper so that the person can kind of feel that but then they're really not feeling the spanking so then you do at some point have to remove the diaper so that it can feel the true spanking so I guess in some ways those were how I guess it was similar um was that the spanking part remained the same, but uh, different, um, I guess, more nurturing, more cuddle time, um, more, um, you know, I mean, you still might be stern at parts in it, but then a lot of softer side of things, um, spending more time um, I'd say in the aftercare portion, uh, you know, if there is a spanking involved in the ABDL scene, then spending a good part versus in a regular session, let's say you have an hour long session, you know, the aftercare might just be about, you know, five, maybe 10 minutes or so. But with an a in an ABDL session, there were de there's definitely a lot more 
um, aftercare because that's also part of the kind of the nurturing and the fun parts is, you know, getting that time cuddling together, um, you know, just reading a story, binky time, you know, just different things. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering next, you know, you do live sessions, um, but you also make video content and audio content. Mm-hmm. When did you start creating content? I believe it was 2017. So it was, you know, a few years after I had started. And I don't even know how I accidentally kind of fell into making content. I had heard about Patreon. Patreon was my, was my first how I got into it. And I'd heard about that from some other um gals that I had met along the way in the um, in the adult industry and stuff like that. And they had mentioned they were using Patreon, but for them, they were artists and stuff. And so they were using it for their art. And I was like, well, I'm not really an artist unless I, mean, I do consider my spanking as art because I definitely, you know, paint bottoms red and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely like to make lots of different shapes. Sometimes I have some cute little implements, especially ones that can be put in the freezer or ones that can be put in hot water that leave little imprints, not permanently, you know, maybe just for a few seconds or a few minutes, um, you know, and I like to make art that way but I couldn't really do that on Patreon so I was trying to figure out how to do it so in the beginning I was like well I know a lot of people do fan pages and so you know I could post pictures and I thought I could do videos and then I realized I couldn't really do videos through Patreon at least not quite at that point in time this was still early on and then I was like oh I should try and figure out I could do audios where I'm just you know scolding someone or doing something like that and that was kind of how I started and I had no idea how to record an audio at all didn't know how to edit at all so my first few audios were never audit or they were never edited or anything like that they were just done and if I made mistakes I made mistakes in them and I really had no, yeah, so it was one of those things where I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I did it. <laughs> and that's how I started. And from there, then I had other people that were contacting me and they're like, I really don't want to sign up for another site. I, I love the, I see the content on your Patreon. I want to buy it. Can you put this up on Night Flirt? Can you put this up on Clips for Sale and stuff like that? And so that's kind of how Miss Jen Clips came about. It was through that, was that you know, all these people are putting in requests for these other sites. Um, And then on the other sites, I could also do videos. And then a few years, maybe one year after that beginning was when I started showing my face and started doing videos. Mm -hmm. Was that intimidating for you? I mean, it's, it's, I would imagine it would be because it's different doing a live session with one person in, in your own space to putting yourself and your face in particular on video. What was that like? Oh, it was definitely different. Um, and I, I, I say the thing that a lot of people don't think about is that you, how you do a set, a live session versus a clip, they are so radically different because in a live session, the person that you are, um, you know, playing with, doing your session with, you know, trying to, what their needs are, Um, whether that's they need a hard spanking, whether that's they need a loving embrace, 
um, you know, whatever it is, it, it's kind of about their needs, shall we say, and making sure that it's a good match and, um, and making sure it's a good fit for like their tolerance level, for example. Now on a video, it's a very different thing. And especially when I first started, I was, you know, doing some videos that were straight from part of people's sessions and stuff like that. Um, and or or it would be people that'd be like, I really want to do a video. Can we do a video together? And now you have the thing is that the, the people that are watching this video are thinking this is made for them. And so therefore they want what they want. So they want me, let's say a really hard spanking that's brutal. But in a live session, if the person has a tolerance of a two on a scale of one to 10, you know, yeah, you probably are going to push their limits, especially if that's what they're asking for and they want to have their limits pushed, you would probably push them to, you know, like a three, maybe a four. You do not push someone that is at a level two pain tolerance to a level 10, which is basically what people that are watching videos want. And so then they start complaining and they're like, well, you didn't spank this person hard enough. And so it's this totally different motivation. And I have to try and sometimes explain to people like, this is this person's tolerance. Like I would not be a um, good professional if I was pushing someone that's at a level two to a level 10. It's just that is not safe for them, their headspace, their body. That is, you know, that is not a good thing to do. Um, so, guess- yeah, so I'd say that's a big difference. Maybe that's an opportunity to remind people that uh, people like Miss Jen and the people in her videos, they do their own stunts. Uh, um, you know, it, it, it very much is, as you're saying, it's, it's on the one hand, it's a difference between, you know, a client versus an audience, but it's also, uh, you know, this isn't special effects. Um, <laughs> very true. Like- yeah. There are no stunt doubles. <laughs> like This is a real person and they have a real tolerance. And so... <laughs> You have to, you know, as a professional, you have to know where that is and take them to a safe place that, again, is pushing them, but is not way beyond what they are capable of. Mm-hmm. And that's also where, where it's just great that there is such breadth between what, what it is that people are looking for um, from from sessions or scenes where a really brutal spanking, just it, it just wouldn't fit. Um, it just wouldn't mm-hmm. fit the scene. Like, forget about this as a singular element. It just wouldn't fit. But there are other scenes where it does fit. And it's, um, you know, when you have uh, someone like yourself who plays to that entire breadth, there is just more opportunity to create uh, content that pleases different kinds of folks. Yeah. And you you mm-hmm. create a, a lot of content, I must say, for um, for someone who's independent. You know, you go to some of the the other sites and it's it's, you know, a, a stable of performers, right? Um, mm-hmm. That is so much easier for them to churn out, you know, dozens of videos a year. Um, but but you're not, uh, so that's that's totally different. How do you manage that? I mean, you're you're putting out, you know, frankly, a lot of content for an individual. Oh, gosh, that's the thing. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed. Um, There are times where I can't even get around to answering most of my emails because I just get flooded at at points in time, especially, you know, before COVID when I was traveling, you know, I I was, you know, doing kind of everything at once uh, before COVID where 
I was traveling, um, you know, going working as the traveling dom. Then I was doing in-person sessions. Then I was doing phone sessions, and you know, phone slash Skype or cam sessions. And I, you know, then I was also producing a lot of content. And each of those four things could be a full-time job in its own. Um, so you do get torn in all these different directions and sometimes all of them kind of hit at once. And that's the really hard part when that happens is, you know, emails get missed and stuff like that. And it's not my intention. Um, but sometimes it just happens where there's just too many things. And unfortunately they all kind of hit at the same time. So you do the best that you can and you, you know, kind of triage like in a hospital and you, you know, you're, you're seeing, okay, what has a deadline? What absolutely has to be done? What, you know, is, has somebody already paid for that they're expecting um, that needs to be gotten, gotten to that person and kind of go from there and kind of triage and figure out and get to what you can, because there are times where I just can't get to, everything um, when it all happens at once. It's different when it's a slower time period, but when all of those things happen at once, it's, it's chaos. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And you know, you, you bring up COVID. So how has that changed the nature of your work? Um, how are you sort of filling the gap that, you know, you haven't been traveling? Yeah. Um, so I stopped traveling my last trip, my last, I, I mean, I had, you know, before COVID, I had gone on a whole bunch of trips last January and February. Um, I got back from my last trip at the end of February, I got really sick. Um, it was not COVID. I got, I had two antibody tests after the fact, both confirming I've never had COVID still to the state. Um, but it was a pretty bad version of the flu. So I was really sick. And I was actually supposed to do a trip at the the first week in March of last year. I was actually supposed to go to um, an ABDL uh, convention in Chicago, um, Capcon, I was supposed to go to. Mm -hmm. And I uh, got sick, so I had to cancel that trip. And, um, and I also had to cancel my DC trip, which had also been scheduled for... Uh, about a month after that, um, do the whole COVID thing. And I have not traveled since, you know, basically, you know, COVID, COVID kind of hit here in Seattle, the first in Washington and in Kirkland area. Um, they got hit first. We had the first kind of cases of COVID here. So we were ground zero for everything that was going on. And the whole U.S. was kind of watching what was happening here. And, you know, as I, you know, had to shut down and I had to cancel my D.C. trip, I had, you know, a few people that were confused as to why I was canceling because they hadn't realized at that point in time how bad this COVID thing was because it hadn't hit their area the way it had hit Washington State. And... um but yeah, so I had to cancel those trips. Um, I am hoping to uh, to reschedule um, DC first, and that'll probably be in maybe like May or end of end of spring, probably. Um, but no, it's definitely big changes. I've stopped traveling and um, doing very few in-person sessions. We're talking maybe one, maybe two per month. And those are, have been with, you know, trusted um, clients slash friends that I've known for a really long time. People who, you know, 
are working from home like myself now, um, you know, people that are staying safe and uh, basically isolating as best they can. So I've done a few, but it's been a whole new ball game with, with COVID. It's been radically different where I've just been focusing my energies on creating content, on doing phone sessions, doing cam sessions, those type of things. Yeah, I've noticed on a couple of, of the free sites, uh, and I think these are mostly amateurs posting these, but I've noticed people who are wearing a mask in their scenes. Um, not a kinky mask, a COVID mask. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a little bit, it's kind of, it's just kind of jarring. It's like, oh yeah, our, this has invaded our fantasy world too. Um, but you've also picked up on more of the, the cam sessions and, and video sessions. You know, What's that like? You know, what's sort of the the expectations that people bring to those and how do you make that real for them? Each one is a little bit different because it depends on the person, um, what their interests are, um, as well as what their kinks and fetishes are. So, uh, you know, some people, they just like to have, they just like to have talked kind of like we're talking now, kind of having like this discussion and it's usually about spanking or ABDL or, you know, whatever their kinks are, or just maybe that they're exploring the kink world and, you know, just, we're just having this conversation. Um, other people want role play. And so we get into different roles. Usually I ask them what type of role they, you know, what the, what kind of scene they were thinking about having, that type of thing. Um, and, uh, and then other people are kind of a mix where we go in and out of role, which is also really fun, where we're having a conversation like this, then we'll, you know, get into role for a little bit. Either we decide we're going into role now or we just fall into it. Sometimes that just happens. Where, like, for example, I could be talking with you and maybe you do something that's a little naughty or something. Maybe you make a little remark and I start scolding you. And I just, you know, we just fall into role. We fall in and out of role naturally. Um, some people I instruct on self spanking. So they tell me what implements they have, you know, what type of hairbrushes they have, um, you know, what implements they have with them. Do they have a paddle? Do they just have a wooden spoon? And then maybe they have a sit spot hairbrush and maybe they have a celluloid hairbrush. And so then I would say, you know, and I would kind of direct them. And, you know, we're, you know, I'm, we're role playing or whatever the scenario is. And I'm, you know, telling them just as 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 if you know as if this was really happening you know I would say to you you know Alex you've been very naughty and you know exactly what happens to naughty boys you are getting spanked you know I'm going to be unbuckling your belt snapping that belt now I'm grabbing you by your wrist and pulling you across my lap mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that so. enjoyed it that as much as I did <laughs> <laughs> good good yes so makes, you know makes just me, dip- uh, <laughs> makes me want to put on pants with a belt for the first time in months <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely so yeah so we do some so i do that some stuff with self-spanking um, you know, I do a lot of ABDL cam sessions too, you know, where we go through diaper changes, that type of thing as well. Um, so, you know, I see what they've got, they tell me what they have, and then we go through different things 
where, you know, I have different things, they have different things, I'm telling them what I'm doing to them, and they're, they're doing it, you know, for, for me, basically, and I get to see them and they get to see me. So I, I'll Mm -hmm. be like, you know, in my little apron dress or something like that. Um, And, you know, I get to see what they're wearing, maybe go through some different changes of outfits, putting on a different onesie, you know, putting the binky in the mouth, um, you know, switching diapers. So we have a lot of fun with it. So um, yeah, so in some ways, like the the ABDL sessions are um, really, really good when it comes to like Skype cam type sessions, because seeing all those things and getting to do it and, you know, like me maybe talking about, okay, I want to hear the sounds of your diapers, you know, crinkle those diapers for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just different things. And, and so you, you, you kind of get to see and almost feel it like, you know, where um, I'm hearing the things, I'm seeing the things and, and for that person to be seen too, you know, especially now with COVID where people are really not being seen at all. And here they get to be exploring their special kinks that they really like. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the sounds of diapers and how do they feel? How do your diapers feel now that they're, that they're wet or that they're on? Or, you know, do you like the smell of the baby powder? Oh, we need more baby we need more baby powder. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I really, I can see that because, um, you know, things like, like discipline outside the context of age play is so tactile. Um, and ABDL and age play obviously are as well, but there's also so much of a mental component that just the, the verbal component can meet a lot of those needs and wants and desires. Uh, because it is having someone talk to you that way and having someone, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, use those different tones of voice and say the embarrassing things at, at least as much as the tactile sensations that you might get in the live session. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it can be so embarrassing too, which is another great thing. You know, people, people do love, they love and hate embarrassment. And, you know, the miracles of cam is that you do get that embarrassment factor in there. You know, I know that you're, that, this, that if I'm telling you, well, we're putting a butt plug in or we're doing this, I know you're actually doing it because I'm watching you. So you can't get out of it. You can't just be like, oh, I just did that. And you're like, ha ha, she can't tell. No, I can see you. I know for a fact you didn't do it. Or maybe if I'm telling you to spank yourself to spank yourself, and you're not spanking hard enough, I can be like, well, no, that, that one doesn't count. I know I told you you were getting 40 with the paddle, but those last two didn't count at all. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> those weren't real swats. <laughs> those weren't hard enough. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how it works. Now, I would think that for a lot of folks uh, who maybe are thinking about, you know, I want to do a session with a professional, but they're just, it's a big leap for a lot of people. It's intimidating if you've never done it before, especially if you've never like played it all before or taken this, your fetish uh, to another person outside the internet ever, um, that 
the option of doing an audio session or a video session, for those folks, that must be a, a great entry point and a big relief of, look, there's another option for doing this besides um, going through that very intimidating process of actually doing it in person. Do you, do you have clients uh -huh. who, who like it for that reason too? Oh, yes. And I, I would say the other thing that um, I do like to mention, um, having talked with uh, so many different ABDLs out there, is that not everybody wants to recreate this in person. Um, you know, for example, I have a friend of mine that uh, he does ABDL like artwork. And that is his fetish, but he doesn't actually want to do a session, like not with me or not with anybody, like as an, as he doesn't want to play in real life, mm -hmm. but his thing is about doing the artwork, seeing other people's artwork, um, you know, hearing stories, that type of thing, but to not actually do it in person. And so I feel like for, especially for this particular fetish that there's, that, I think a lot of times that's why people do gravitate towards the audios or to the phone calls or, you know, even to this, to like cam shows and stuff like that, where you're getting different aspects, you know, um, maybe you just need someone to say a few key phrases to you and they're wearing the outfit that one of the outfits that you like, that's like a mommy caregiver outfit or something like that. Um, you know, and some people like on Skype, you know, they'll just want to take some pictures of me and they'll have me do different poses, maybe with implements, maybe with different things like holding up the diaper and they're just taking pictures and stuff. And they're like, okay, can we try this other pose and stuff like that? So there's just so many different ways to, um, that that this particular fetish is just so great for online stuff. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, you're you're providing a, a service, you're creating content, but this is not, you know, a purely professional interest. So, what's the scene that uh, that you like doing most for your own enjoyment? Uh, can you hold on just a second? There's somebody at the door. Sure thing. Uh -huh. So funny. They just, they didn't even knock, but they sent me a text saying that my Instacart had <laughs> just delivered. I wonder if they heard us talking was like, oh, I'm not going to interrupt this one. <laughs> so that is oh, how funny. That, uh, yes, people like Jen and myself, we exist offline and we order things from Instacart. And sometimes people over here is talking about stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I really wonder what people going by are doing deliveries. I've had that happen a lot with Amazon people where they don't even knock. They just leave it there. <laughs> and then I get the text later saying they deliver. I'm like, oh, they, I think they overheard one of my one of my phone sessions <laughs> didn't want to interrupt it <laughs> anyways uh so what was your question alex right before we got interrupted <laughs> so before that i'll say that uh, i i was once uh playing with a friend in a hotel and nothing that she did to me left as much of an imprint as the side eye i got from the maid when i left <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope that uh, embarrassment is one of your kinks as well, because <laughs> that would be great if it was. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so anyway, I was, I was asking you, you know, you make content for other people. So you're, you're, you're trying to meet the needs of your clients or, you know, what your audience wants. If you were to design a scene for yourself, you know, the, the best scene for yourself, what's, what's your scene like? I don't have a good answer for that because uh, my dynamic is different with every person that I'm with. So if we were to ever play together, our dynamic would be totally different than the dynamic I have with Debbie or with Kevin or with Chi Girl or something like that. The dynamics are just different um, because we have different chemistry. We have different roles that we fall into naturally. And so there just is no real one scene. Um, I like a lot of different stuff. And I also want it to be a natural thing between the two of us. So if I said that I, you know, really wanted to do this husband wife scene, but that was not our chemistry and that wasn't a role you were comfortable in, then it wouldn't really be a lot of fun. It would just fall flat. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have one. I also am one of those people that have a, has a lot of different interests and I also have a lot of different moods. And um, one of the things, I don't know if I posted it on my website or blog, but I know definitely like on Nightflare or some other places I've posted it where, you know, sometimes I'm very nice and other, I'm kind of the, the sweet mommy or the sweet the the sweet lady the sweet sweet nice one and other times I'm kind of in a more uh, mean mean girl bully sadistic mood and I don't know what I'm going to be on a particular day or even a particular moment in time what mood am I going to be in am I going to be feeling very nice and generous and wanting to do lots of cuddle time and lots of you know being being kind of the sweet nurturing caregiver that day or am I going to be a little bit more feeling a little bit more mean where maybe I'm going to trick you and I'm going to get you in trouble for whatever you know you um you could have been late because of the snowstorm and I decided I'm going to punish you for it just because I'm feeling mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um and I don't know what I'm going to be in and so that also comes into play on how things go depending on that mood and that is, you know, I'm, I'm a switch and I go through phases where I feel more one way or the other. And this latest phase is, frankly, this lasted like two and a half years. So I'm wondering to what extent I'm still a switch. Um, but, you know, you, you definitely go through those, those kind of back and forth as a switch. But also as a content creator, I find that there are more things I want to do than there is time. Yes. Oh my. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. My to-do lists are pages long and they're never ending. And there's just so many things that I want to do. Oh, that is the problem in life. There is not enough time to do it all. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, so for instance, I just, I, I wrote a story last night and I was like, all right, this is just going to be a story. And then by the time I got the end, it was like, this needs to be a novella. And I was like, okay, but you have like four other books that you're trying to write at the same time. <laughs> um, it's like, how do you prioritize them when they're all so much fun? Um, and you want to finish something, right? You want to finish it because, you know, for yourself, but also because you don't want to leave fans hanging on a story because you are working on four other stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that is, you know, the struggle is real um, because there is just such a, a, a fun variety to all of this and trying to please yourself, but also please so many different audiences. Um, and I guess that leads into a good next question. So, you know, you are Miss Jen Davis. You're not a, uh, a studio that has several different performers in top roles and several different performers in bottom roles. So you're trying to, to please a lot of different tastes um, and, and kinks and fetishes as just you. Mm -hmm. uh, do you encounter any fans out there who are just like, I like the work you do, but then I saw you in this and I just, I can't unsee you in that role again? Like as in they didn't like it and it, it just didn't work for them. And then that changed their opinion of me. Or what do you mean by this question? I'm kind of confused. So, so I know, um, for instance, that um, I know uh, a woman who is a dominant and also an age player. And mm -hmm. she has multiple partners. And one of her partners is a submissive to her. And they went to a munch, basically. Um, uh you know, less of a munch and more of a, um, just an, an age play outing. And she invited her submissive along and the submissive saw her in her, her little persona and was just like, nope, can't handle this. Got in her car, said, I love you very much. Um, I can't see you like this. And drove two hours back home after just driving two hours together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she couldn't, she couldn't handle the image of that person in, in both roles. So, you know, sometimes you do roles that are very harsh and sometimes you do roles that are very soft and caring. Um, do you find that there's any dissonance in, in your, your viewership or are people kind of okay to just compartmentalize? Um, it depends on the person. So, um, and I've always found that a little bit funny how, yes, I, I've definitely, I've had some... Um, people tell me this, um, not themselves directly. It was through a third person type scenario, but they were, um, they were asking somebody that I collaborate with and, um, he's somebody that I have spanked a couple times before when I was in LA and stuff. And they were like, oh yeah, I don't know about seeing Miss Jen, you know, I mean, I know she's, she's a good spanker and all, but you know, she also does that femdom thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm just worried about her getting some dungeon scene out and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my goodness. One, if it's somebody that's coming for domestic discipline that is Coming that is a spanko. I mean, that's part of my application is figuring out where people fall in the spectrum. Then absolutely no, there's going to be no like dominant DS dynamic in that scene. And there is not going to be, you need to call me mistress or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so I've actually had people that didn't want to do sessions or didn't want to buy my content because they also knew that I did some dominatrix stuff. And I thought that was just so silly. So it's like these, these other spanking ladies, these other professional disciplinarians, it's okay for them to be a writer in their spare time, but I can't do femdom and dominatrix stuff in my spare time like I don't understand I can't have another hobby or an interest or aspect to my career that would not affect them in any way and so I found that 
odd, but so I haven't had anything quite as extreme as that example you gave with your friend, but I have had people question other people or say stuff to my friends and they, you know, for whatever reason they thought, you know, it's just kind of like if an, you know, somebody that was into AB Dale came to me and they're like, no, you know, I don't want femdom or I don't want spanking or I don't want this in my scene. That's fine. You know, we, we, we figure out what is going to work for the two of us. And then we, you know, we go with that. And so, yeah, I, th- I thought that was the oddest thing. <laughs> like those, you know, a spanko and a submissive are, are two completely different types of people. I mean, they could be the same. Absolutely. I have a lot of spanko friends that also consider themselves to be submissives. They might consider themselves spanko first and then submissive or one or the other. But um, you know, those those two are separate things. And so, you know, you don't bring one to the other unless that person says, I have these other interests that I'd like to explore. Oh, you know, I'd like to explore CBT or I'd like to, you know, explore puppy play or something like that. Well, they've brought this up. So then, you know, we might work on a scene that involves some of these other aspects but mm-hmm. if it's not brought up, I'm certainly not about to be introducing that to someone unless they seem like someone that that has asked, that wants to try new things and, you know, has asked to try different things, have boundaries pushed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess there's maybe a certain possessiveness in the reactions that people have had like that. I mean, it's, it's one thing, like my friend, she's in a relationship and it wasn't a rejection. It was you're in a different persona right now. And I can't, I can't handle that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow night for dinner. Um, <laughs> that like, that makes total sense. Um, but when it's, when it's a performer, I, I guess I, I find it very unusual. Um, and studios, I guess have a leg up because they have, you know, multiple performers or they have multiple sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And then, you know, you bring up somebody wanting to try something new, which is, I guess I'm, I want to hear more about that from um, your side of it, because um, I think there are a lot of professionals out there who are open to trying things new. And a lot of people who, even if they're very experienced in kink, this, they find that they want to try something new. And that's, you know, that's really a challenge for, for both sides, um, especially in the pressure of, you know, you want to get this right for this person. Uh, and you want to get it right for yourself. Uh, how how does that like? What's your advice on like a key to a successful, you know, trying something new? Um. Well, finding out different hard limits. Um, you know, trying to get an idea of maybe what this person has been googling online, what type of you know fetish porn do they look at getting some ideas of what they might like but just because you like to watch it doesn't mean you want it to happen to you and so there is that difference where not everybody can tell that ahead of time some people can some people can't um and then also trying to prepare them that like this is like a sampler we will probably you know, maybe we'll try little bits and pieces of a few different things. Maybe you're, you're, you know, the next one and a half hours, we're going to spend trying, you know, five different things, but we'll only get into each one a little bit. And then you can give me feedback afterwards. And we can see if there was ones you wanted to explore more, or if it was just kind of a fun novelty, but 
you know, you know, you just want a little bits and pieces and trying different things and doing something new. Um, but you still want to go back to the old standard, um, which you know you which you know and love. Um, so, and also just really trying to remind the person that it's okay to not like them. It's okay to try things and be like, "Well, it was a fun novelty. I don't have to do it again." And that mm-hmm. is okay. You don't ever have to do it again. Like, but you can try it and see if it might be something. And there's also the fact that it might be not be something for you now, but years later, you might be like, hey, I don't want to do that again. I want to try that. Or, you know, now I'm in the right mindset. Now I'm ready for that. I wasn't ready for that four years ago, but I'm ready for that now. Mm-hmm. That's something I want to do now that I thought back then was repulsive or disgusting or weird or yeah, that's not for me. And then years later, you change. And so new things can open up at any point in time. And, you know, it's an evolution and it's always changing. And, you know, that I think that's... Um... There's a couple interesting things to talk about there. So as an example of someone trying something new and, and realizing they don't like it, I have another friend who uh, told me a story once. She's a, a submissive and she was at a monthly play party at a dungeon and someone talked her into trying a top roll. She said, you, you, I, I, I know you, you can do this. You're going to love it. And she, she let herself get talked into it. And, um, she hit this person, not the person who talked her in it, but someone else hit that person once and burst into tears. Oh, <laughs> um, I know. Right. It's, it's on the one hand, it's like, that's terrible. On the other hand, it's like, that's so adorable. Right. Um, <laughs> actually, I borrowed that for a, a chapter in um, my, my series. I'm not a little girl. Um, oh, uh, because it is just, it is just adorable. Um, <laughs> but um, and it was like, okay, so she, she learned what she can't do. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's an also another important thing is to know what you don't like or what you don't like now, or what you can't do, or even what you can do, but you don't want to do. And like, this is fun. This is supposed to be fun for us. This is supposed to be exploration and play. And, you know, you already probably have to do enough things you don't want to do in life. So when it comes to this, let's focus on the things you do like. And again, that can still, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that in a few years from now, a decade from now, though, that might not change, but for now, let's focus on what you do like right now, right here in the moment. What do you like and focus on those things and knowing what you don't like. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is that people's tastes evolve and it can be something that they're, they're into and they get into a different way. And I'll use myself as an example. When I was, um, you know, just, just kind of discovering the world of kink, uh, spanking was an, like an immediate interest. And, you know, I, I found that when I saw pictures of uh, severe spanking, it really kind of threw me. It's like, oh my God. And uh, I, I hated it. And now it doesn't bother me. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes I, that's what I want to see. And it's just, you know, your, your tastes evolve because you evolve, you know, you change. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some yep. of that is, is probably like anything else. Like you just, you want more of the thing that you like, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's exactly Absolutely. What, it's exactly what those anti-porn crusaders warned us about. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out with Playboy and it ends with you talking to Miss Jen Davis. <laughs> um uh, but also, you know, you just, you discover brand new things. And one of the things that interests me, uh, because I, I've been, I've always been an ABDO. My earliest memories, um, involve diapers in, in, in some way. Um, it fascinates me when people discover their ABDL kink as an adult, um, you know, kind of like you did, where you, it was, just, it was introduced mm-hmm. to you because, mm-hmm. It is it is edge play, and a lot of people aren't familiar with that term. But edge play is the is the BDSM term for things that are taboo or dangerous, um, or just kind of even to other people in the BDSM, like a little bit out there. Mm-hmm. And it, like it frustrates the hell out of edge players, particularly for ABDLs, because it's like this is the most innocent thing you can do. Like, I want to play <laughs> with my tricks. Like you, want, like you want to like hit each other, and I just want to draw with my crayons. Like, right. how am I the one? Right? It frustrates the hell out of APTLs. Um, right, uh, but also think about the fact that it's this time and place that you know, twenty years ago there was probably something else that was a lot more um, taboo or whatever you want to call it, um, and that that's always changing. That's like a. a you know, as social norms or whatever you want to call them, they change and they, you know, I don't even know how this happens, but suddenly somebody will decide that they think this thing is bad or whatever and whatnot. But those things change too. Absolutely. Um, but for an adult to discover ABDL and to fall in love with it, it, I just, it interests a lot of people because it's just sort of a, what makes you different from all the people who see that and go, yeah. I think, and you know, that, that it's just kind of like if you've never been skiing your whole life and then as an adult, you get introduced to it and you're like, oh my God, how could I have never gone skiing before? Maybe you lived in the wrong place. Maybe you, you know, didn't have the money because it's an expensive sport or whatever. I don't ski anymore. This is just an example I'm throwing out, but you realize I love skiing. Uh, how is it any different? It's like, but maybe it's just different. To, it seems different because you also have to be open-minded because it's somewhat hidden or underground. I mean, n- now that I'm in the fetish world, it doesn't seem like it. But back then, I mean, I didn't watch porn or anything. So I had no idea about any of this stuff. Um, of course, when you're going to all these different fetish sites and, and you know, looking at porn and stuff, you, well, you're definitely introduced to a lot more stuff. Um, but, you know, back then, I lived a very sheltered life. And so I just didn't know about this whole underground world of cool fetish stuff I mean the only thing that I knew was kind of the more standard stuff which I wasn't that into which was you know male dominating women and stuff like that um and you know that just wasn't a really big thing for me but then when I discovered all these other things the whole spanking world the ABDL world uh, females dominating men I was like okay now I found my this is my niche this is this is where I belong and then it was totally different once that opened up but I didn't even know about a lot of these terms um didn't know this whole world existed and then of course you go on the internet and once you know the keywords to look up you're like oh my gosh how could I have never known this existed 
But yeah, once you know the keywords and you know how to get around and you know how to navigate this new world, it's like, wow, it's like this world was out there, but I couldn't see it. And now I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does, this kind of opens your eyes. I think uh, for people who, for people who I guess are, I don't want to say just, but just into vanilla sex. Um, I, I always kind of wonder like, what's the world like through their eyes? Because for me, it's this, I look around and it's like, wow, there's such variety out here. And there's, there's so much that is just exciting and new and fun to explore. Whereas vanilla sex is like, this, you know, my own eyes coming through. It's like, oh, I get to eat McDonald's for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> like, like, I'm not even allowed to bring my own hot sauce, you know? Um, <laughs> um so I, it's just, it's, it's fascinating that you had that, that personal evolution. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour here. I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time. So I'm just, I'm wondering, um, you know, as I look out at the content that's being created, you mentioned how things change over time and something that was taboo, you know, is no longer taboo and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me having been, into ABDL for a long time that what we have seen is, I mean, ABDL age play, uh, spanking discipline just across the board. And, and it's obviously, I think, driven by technology, but not just driven by technology. Um, there is so much more content being created than there was. Uh, and so much more visibility for the age play in ABDL communities. And I'm wondering if you have any just take on that or comment on that or your role as an ABDL content creator and and being part of that. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess this is what I don't really have a real comment on. You kind of summed it up really good there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I guess in my opinion, I think it's I think it's terrific. And you know, is ABDL or age play, is it ever going to be anywhere near mainstream where you see people talking about it in, on a TV show in a way that's not somewhat derogatory or making fun of it. Um, probably not, but uh, it's getting talked about period, whereas it, it wasn't mm-hmm. um, before. In fact, there was just uh, an episode of a new show on Fox where there was a scene oh. um, where uh, I'm gonna, I hope I'm getting the brand right. Cause I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail. Um, <laughs> But uh, there was a fantasy scene, like a dream sequence or something, where um, this person's love interest was wearing a Rears diaper. Mm-hmm. Like, recognizably, a Rears diaper. Not like they went <laughs> to Walgreens and got, uh, you know, Depends, but right. they right. went to mm-hmm. the Rears website and, and bought a package of Rears. And then the, the question mm-hmm. that people were naturally asking was, what happened to the rest of the pack? <laughs> <laughs> Who got to take it home? Uh huh. <laughs> um, but you you would not have seen that um, fifteen years ago for sure. That is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, and in, in part because places like Weirs didn't exist um, fifteen years ago. Uh, hmm. So I mean, you can see. This, as as ABDL or H play has grown, the marketplace for it has grown, as evidenced by these companies oh, absolutely. that could never have survived um, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And I definitely hope that more people out there actually create sites 
to, you know, sell ABDL clips, ABDL stuff. Like, I really hope that that just keeps broadening and gets more and more out there that, you know, people open up these types of sites. You know, there is a demand for it. And, you know, we should be able to have places where we can create and post and, you know, make this type of content. And lately, I've been ending a lot of these interviews by bringing that up uh, after we kind of conclude, but you just, you kind of did just bring it up. So age play is because it's edge play, because it's taboo. um, It is a target for the existing Mm -hmm. sites out there. Um, Is there any kind of comment you want to make on your experience as a content creator dealing with the web of rules and you know, to an extent, hypocrisy involved in, in just trying to not get deplatformed and trying to not get your content removed. It has been really hard and extremely frustrating. Um, you know, it just, I, I'm constantly, you know, getting emails from different sites that were like, we did allow ABDL content and now we don't and stuff like that. And so that's been really frustrating um, that, you know, in the past year, I've had two different, at least two different, maybe more, two different sites that I was posting ABDL content to and, you know, had those removed. So I'm really down to only two sites at this point for my ABDL stuff. And that's, you know, that's just so disheartening and it's just so sad. And it's like, you know, they're just they're confusing that you know I I think a lot of people that don't understand what ABDL is about they're somehow thinking this is you know like us fantasizing about doing naughty things to kids which is not absolutely this is absolutely not what we do we're adults you know and we're adults that are and we know we're adults we look like adults and we're playing you know, yeah, we're playing a different age, but we are still adults. And so you're playing or doing a audio or doing a video that involved two adults. Um, and so I think a lot of people are just, you know, I, I they're probably coming from a good place where they're trying to eradicate. Obviously, all of us want to eradicate child abuse and stuff like that. Um or child molestation or anything, but, you know, they're missing the whole point of age play and ABDL. It's, it's just so sad that this is happening. And, um, and it's also very frustrating, you know, when you have these sites that are changing their rules or not letting you be on the, the platform at all anymore, or just, you know, saying, you know, no mention of certain keywords like child or you know, baby. So how do you say adult baby without baby in it? Or, you know, just like you can't use certain words. And so then like, you're like, well, how do I even talk about this without using those words? And, you know, and just stuff like that. And so it's it's definitely a struggle. It's definitely hard. And some of it is also, um, you know, it's, it's like the least fun game in the world where, it's like a wink, wink thing where it's um, the content is not officially allowed, but at the same time, it it is. You know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a, a great yep. example, and this this is a totally different kind of site. But for folks who are familiar with it, and maybe you've actually might have discovered me through that DeviantArt, um, 
which has been around for a long time. If you look at the Wikipedia, it's kind of this confusing of exactly what it was supposed to be. Uh, but like every other website, the terms of service say no pornography. There is literally nothing on that site but pornography. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's what I thought it was for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know, that's but it's just like, you can't put pornography on here. Like, there's literally nothing there but pornography. Yes. I've never seen a vanilla <laughs> anything. <laughs> I agree stuff. with that. Every Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and at the same time, also, there's, there's so much, uh, as I said earlier, you know, I, I'm I, by no means kink shaming, but there is for sure, there's so much kink out there that is about um, violence at its core. And that's what, that's what it appears to be for someone who's not into it, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's permissible. But as soon as somebody wants to make a video of um, them and their caregiver like playing with blocks on the floor, mm -hmm. that, that that is what gets tossed out and you know i think you have the nail on the head as to why that is is because people are mistaking it in good faith or bad faith for mm -hmm. um from for trying to be some type of fake child abuse um and it's obviously for people who are inside it's, it's obviously not i also think what happened with Pornhub is is driving a lot of what we've seen over the past couple of months um all these sites who are very nervous about being the next Pornhub. I don't know if anybody's visited Pornhub recently, um, but it's like a ghost town. Like there's there's virtually no good content, at least for for fetishes left. So did they just take down? Like I know that they took down some of my videos. I don't know if they because I had some free stuff posted as well as a few paid things. But yeah, I didn't really keep up a whole lot on that. So did they just ban almost all fetishes? Did they just ban certain things? Did, so I can't remember. Um, what, it, what happened was a New York Times op-ed writer um, did a story about how they went to the site and they typed in things that they found offensive. I mean, let's face it, this is a New York Times op-ed writer and unless he's totally misrepresenting <laughs> himself, he finds the existence of porn offensive. Um, <laughs> but um, things like revenge porn, like he typed in revenge oh, porn and wow. things, things oh. came up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but also that he typed in uh, like under 18 and things came up and some of it was obviously like that the person obviously wasn't, and some of it obviously you can't always tell, um, and just other things like that, um, things mm -hmm. that you know very clearly, you know, should be illegal or appear that they should be illegal. And Pornhub's response was to delete anything that had been uploaded by a user who wasn't verified. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, luckily I am verified. So, but yeah, I do know that they took down some of my content for really stupid stuff, and they wouldn't give me a good explanation either, which was drive. I had some nurse scene where I was, you know, spanking. Um, I was spanking a man, and it was supposed to be that you know, um, I he wasn't supposed to be up walking around, and so he was a naughty, you know, he's naughty, and so he was getting a spanking for it. There was no bondage in this. And so I argued with them when they took it down. They're like, no, this is bad. And I'm like, what do you mean it's bad? They're, they're like, well, you know, and they didn't really go into details. I'm like, I'm not understanding. He's a man. He could have walked out at any point in time. There was no bondage. So it wasn't like he was tied down. He got spanked. There was no sex. No, you know, I mean, other than like 
you know, I think you could see his butt, but I was like, there's no like real nudity, you know, no mm-hmm. frontal. So I just, I just was baffled and they're like, nope. And they wouldn't give me a real reason as to why it had to be taken down. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so Pornhub, I mean, their response just overall was, I think, very obviously, because what this New York Times op-ed writer did is say um, in their article, you know, Visa, MasterCard, how come you guys are processing payments for this site it, when this is the content that they have? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Visa said, um, you're right, we're going to stop. And MasterCard said, um, you might be right, we're going to look into it. And Pornhub, um, they took that step because just by getting rid of all the unverified content, they they wiped out a lot of the stuff that was a very clearly problematic, like revenge porn. But in the process, because it just the nature of the site, they went from 11 million videos to 2 million videos overnight. Um, and other sites that I've seen, um, you know, I, I've, I've seen a few ABDL content producers get deplatformed recently, but the one that I find most telling is a site called spankbang.com, which is a, you know, compared to Pornhub, kind of, I mean, kind of a competitor just in terms of scale and scope and size. Um, mm-hmm. They removed keywords. They didn't remove content, but they removed keywords. If you type in ABDL, nothing mm. comes up. You type in age play, nothing comes oh. up. Oh. Um, but the videos are still there. It's just that it's so mm-hmm. much harder to find them. Um, and to me, that was just, that was very obviously a response to the Pornhub thing, because it's like, we're not going to remove the content, but we want to make sure that if this op-ed writer comes to our site next, nothing shows mm-hmm. up when he types in those words. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so crazy. Oh. Um, and mm-hmm. for people like yourself, I mean, I, I yes, I'm, I'm trying to uh, earn some, some money in this, but it's not my living. Um, and for people who are uh, making a living off this, I'm sure it's extremely stressful. Um, oh yes yeah especially if that's like one of your main things you know um and you know I am definitely worried that a lot of you know if if things keep going the way it's going I'm worried about where I'm gonna be posting my content you know that's it's a crazy thing especially when it's so innocent and it, it drives me crazy when I'm like there's no real violence. There's no sex. There's, you know, very little nudity. How, how is this being taken down? <laughs> like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, there's no way to really appeal it. You, you can't, every company has their own process of appealing it, but I mean, it's not like you're going to take someone to court for one thing you'd almost certainly lose, but for another, what you're going to make it a matter of public record, what you produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for, for people out there, especially, um, the younger content producers out there who like, this is a substantial share of their income or all their income. Um, it is, uh, extremely stressful. So that's why I want to encourage the people listening. Uh, if there are content creators, writers, artists, video producers, etc., whose work you enjoy, first off, um, make sure you know where all their stuff is, like what all are the channels that they're using. So if they disappear in one place, you know where else you can find them. And the second is pay for your porn. Um, because again, these people are, are trying to uh, make a living off of it. They're dependent on this. And 
um, they're at constant risk of losing their livelihood because of a, a capricious decision. And also, if you're out there buying like a $5 cup of coffee, we all know an orgasm is worth way more than $5. <laughs> I would hope like, so. Like just, just spend the money on, on that thing that you've been enjoying so much. Um, so, uh, I, and especially, uh, you know, please go to all the sites that uh, Miss Jen listed at the beginning of our interview. And I'm going to put those in the, the notes to this. And you can also find this interview on her channels. Um, so that people can go and find that and please, you know, patronize the, the content producers whose work you enjoy so much. Yes. And Alex, can you also give your, um, website URL as well? I most certainly can. So uh, this is Alex Bridges and you can find my work on Patreon at patreon.com slash Alex underscore Bridges. And I want to thank, uh, Jen again. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to all the collaborations that we have in the works together. Yes, this has been fun. I really enjoy talking to you. All right. Well, thank you to all of our readers and listeners and viewers out there.